0: Second late.
1: Two radio. seconds.
2: This is all about wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Low volume. Winery, right. winemaker, cellar master, right. vineyardist, right. and tasting expert. Ron.
3: That's basically what we're trying to do on this program. It's just trying to educate people on trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast. And around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just I love that.
2: Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash all about wine BTR. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwineBTR. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron.
3: Thank you, bus people. Thank you, bus people.
0: Hey.
3: Hey, everybody's happy. Beautiful it's weather nice here nice. in Florida. Everybody's happy.
0: Yeah. yeah, they got their heavy winter coats on. I think it was seventy degrees already.
3: Yeah, I know. Uh, it, it dipped down to the mid sixties. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I think I'm
0: towards the middle of the, where the mountains are. It, it's uh, it's yeah. crisp outside. Seventy seventy degrees right now here.
3: I'm, I'm over here on the coast, and it's it's right at that too, right around seventy, you know, sixty-eight. So yeah, it's people bundled. Yeah. People are bundled in Florida. Yeah. So Love
0: everything, the whole. World. Yeah. Welcome to the show. We're on. Yeah. This is uh, we're on the air. Uh,
3: we have our guest standing by, but before we bring him on. We will not be giving a show next week. So if all of you are looking forward to your weekly feel of all about wine, it's not going to happen next week. Thanksgiving, actually Thanksgiving in the United States because different countries have Thanksgiving in different days or if they even have it at all, but United States Thanksgiving is next Thursday. So no yeah. show. Uh, you can watch football on TV, because that's what the tradition is here in the States, watching football on TV on Thanksgiving Day and filling up up with food, you know, eating and saying, oh, I ate too much and then watching football. And before I forget, too, do you realize that the first Thanksgiving Day football game was played in 1922? Oh, wow yeah i know when i read that i was shocked i was absolutely shocked at the first thanksgiving day football game in 1922. everybody you ask somebody guess and they always guess right around the 60s early 60s because that's when television really picked it up but that first thursday thanksgiving football games were played in 1922. so just a little bit of t- useless tidbit there for everyone uh not associated with wine but we do have somebody associated with wine that is waiting in the wings. Uh, Brought him out of the green room. He's sitting there patiently waiting for us to turn on his mic. His name is Michael Brown. He is a winemaker and author of a book called Pinot Rocks. And he's got all sorts of information to talk to us about tonight and all sorts of interesting little stories. And I'm putting him on the spot right now. But, Michael, welcome to All About Wine.
4: Well thanks for having me on. I really appreciate your time.
3: No, oh, I appreciate
1: and for you taking the, the time invite. Tonight.
3: Oh, I'm glad you were able to join us. It it's uh was looking forward to it from the first time I talked to your publicist, I guess, or your assistant until now and I've been looking forward to this. So
4: Yeah, me too. Yeah. You
3: uh you wrote a book, Pinot Rocks, uh and, and the reason I referred to that is uh, I got a copy of it and I uh read quite a bit of it I, I have to admit i have not read the whole thing but i read quite a bit of it but the early years was always interesting that that was fun uh it seemed like you just opened up your your soul telling about some of the stuff that happened in your early years but the part of your early years i want you to tell us about was your circus year <laughs> when you joined the circus uh it's, it's, we've never had anyone on the show that was a member of a circus. So, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah,
1: it's, it's kind
4: of, absolutely, it's kind of a rare thing. But I want to just start off real quick. Uh, when I was standing by, I was listening to that cool groove you guys had on, <laughs> and it was gro- it was groovy. I loved it. <laughs> I got uh, I got another guitar last week, and I I don't really play that great, but I love to play. And one of my blues friends, named John Burdick, known him for 30 years, and he's a badass blues musician. Oh, yeah. And he also does wine tours, and he came out uh, a couple days ago with four people, and he was, bring your guitar. And before that, tune it to Open G. And I'm like, what does that mean?
1: You know, <laughs> it's, a sli-
4: it, it, it's a slide thing, you know. You got to tune it, certainly, for the slide. Anyway, he comes out, and after lunch, he whips that thing out, And he just tears it up. Uh I bring it up for a reason. And maybe I'll get into it later. But uh, it's about fireplaces and music and food and wine and conversations. So anyway, Mm -hmm. the circus thing, yeah, I grew up in a town um, called Wenatchee, Washington, in Washington State. And geographically, it's located just in the center of the state on the Columbia River. And Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, it was a town of 60,000 people. And they had a youth circus and it was ran by the principal of our junior high school. whose name was Paul Pugh. And he has since has passed on, but in the town there's a bronze statue of him, but he changed my life. It was really cool. And, um, when I was 12 years old, I tried football and baseball and basketball and I just couldn't throw a ball or catch a ball. <laughs> and, uh, what, one of my buddies said, join the circus. I go, I don't know how to do any of that. You know, it was very intimidating He goes, it doesn't matter. Um, you'll move match around, but we have a really great time. And then I said, I want to be on the unicycle team. And so I practiced that for about a year and I got on the unicycle team and I go, okay, well, there's, there's one sign of success. Um, and I was a horrible student, you know, I got very bad grades and things like that. And, um, the next year, I go, I want to be a fire eater, and <laughs> I practiced that, and I, and I got on the fire eating team, and then I go, there's no way I'll ever get on the high wire, but they said, hey, Michael, do you want to be on the uh, bullwhip team, where you crack things out of people's mouths with a bullwhip, and I go, whoa, okay, <laughs> okay, and then other acts, and then I started practicing the high wire, you know, two feet off the ground. And then the first time I was on the high wire on a bicycle, it was 25 feet in the air, two hours before showtime, and it freaked me out. But I learned how to do it, practice, hard work, dedication, failure, risk. And then um, the trapeze, there's no way I'm getting on the trapeze. I mean, that's like the act. And they asked me one time, they said, hey, do you want to be the catcher on the flying trapeze? And I said, oh, yes, please. (laughs) it freaked me out, man Freaked me out But I got on it, you know And uh, there's plenty of side stories About all that stuff But what it taught me Again, practice, hard work, dedication Failure, risk, showmanship All these different things And then when I started the wine business In the wine business I didn't know anything about it I didn't know how to wash a barrel I didn't know how to, you know Pick grapes or grow grapes or nothing but I said, I'm going to give this 10 years hard time. And if it works, cool. If it doesn't work, well, I can always shake a cocktail and make 60 grand a year and, and feed my family, you know. Right. But I went for it, and the thing, the thing worked. <laughs> but the but the circus part, um, it just really taught me all those lessons about when you fall off a horse, you get back on it. And I fell off a few things in the circus,
1: and uh, <laughs> Go <ahead.
4: laughs> I got back I got I got back on it and I had good coaches and stuff and and it was a really, really um wonderful part of my life and it really changed my life to be quite honest with you. And it led me to where I am today.
3: When you fall off a horse it's what, three feet off the ground, but when you fall off of a twenty five foot high high wire, it tends to affect your body a bit differently. So it it does yeah it does yeah. and I fall off
4: many horses as well and that hurts that hurts it hurts you hit the ground you hit the ground hard you know yes and I've done that a few times but uh, anyway I
3: have fallen off a few horses over my years too I think I still hurt in a few places because of some of them but uh, the (laughs) uh, (laughs) the the, how many years were you with the circus I mean from the time you joined to the time Um, I was
4: you know 12 12 years old to 18 it was a youth circus wow and so when you're 18 you graduate and then uh, I almost went to Australia to be a in a professional circus but I decided not to so I moved to Santa Rosa to go to school because mm. my grandparents lived here and then I just put my roots in the ground here and I'm looking out right now outside at all this beautiful majesty we have here in Russian River Valley and um Oh. It's a pretty cool thing, I don't know how it quite- what quite worked out, but you know you got to swim the river and and it'll take you in certain directions right
3: mhm so your start into wine what uh did you enjoy wine before or was it uh something that you just figured I'd go into the wine business what tell us your story into wine?
4: Uh, my story into wine, um, it came through the restaurant business. And when I was 13, I got my first job at a restaurant. It was a Chinese restaurant. And I, um, I was making five bucks allowance at, with my dad, mowing lawns, you know, mowing, mowing our lawn, I got to say. And then my buddy in Woodshop at my junior high school, he goes, oh, you, you can get a job washing dishes for 3 three thirty five an hour. I did the math and I go, that sounds good to me. Then I got promoted to be the onion cutter. So I was crying all the time. Right. <laughs> and, uh, no, literally. And all these guys in the kitchen were just laughing at me. And I go, I'm laughing at you all the way to the bank, you know? And then I got into a really nice restaurant in, in Wenatchee. It used to be called the Thunderbird. Now it's red Lion, but doing flambés and things and, And these stories are in the book. I don't want to go take too much time on these side stories, but uh, um, I started learning fine wine and fine food, and then I moved to Santa Rosa, and I got a job at a restaurant called Equus, which has been an establishment here forever. It got burned down in 17, but um, I worked there, and then I got introduced to wine. And we used to go on cannonball runs, I call it, on Mondays, because we all had Mondays off. And we'd go to Napa or Alexander Valley or Sonoma Valley or Dry Creek or you name it. And we'd hit as many wineries as we could. And I experienced these places um, where there's agriculture. Because in Wenatchee, Wenatchee, Washington is a, a tree fruit area, mainly apples, but some pears, some cherries, some peaches. And during the summertime, me and my buddies would just run around town, and our lunch was from tree fruit. And we'd sit in a cherry tree all day long not all day, but for a few hours, and it was fun, plus we had lunch, you know, (laughs) and then I come down here, and I saw high-end agriculture, um, the grapevines, and the grapevines, I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm looking at the stuff, going, what the heck, this is really cool, and then you walk into a winery, and see all the stainless steel production equipment, and, and I'm talking small wineries, you know, but it happens in big wineries, too, but... Anyway, I'm like, wow, they're taking the fruit, and they're processing it. And here's the kicker for me. This is what hooked me. It was at Silver Oak in Oakville. And this is probably Mm. back in 1990-ish, you know. And I walked into the barrel room there, and at the barrel room at that time, I'm not sure if it still is the same, but they had all these barrels on wooden racks. And I walked in there, and it was like a room full of angels, Because they're all alive, or horses, you know, whatever kind of analogy you want want to use. But they're all alive, and I go, wow, this is really cool. And then I got a job at John Ashen Company, which is a restaurant here in Santa Rosa, and it's a really cool place. And I was, you name it, I was bartender, waiter, manager, chef, you know, pastry chef, all these different things. Um, Because I wanted to be a a chef-owner of a restaurant at that point in my life. Uh But anyway, um, the winemakers and the growers that would come in were so cool. And I go, now that's a good peer group. Those are some cool people. And I want to be around those kind of people. And I had no idea how to do it. So I was hooked on the agriculture. I was hooked on the angels in the barrel room, hooked on this mechanical process of Producing something, fermentation and tanks and destemmers and things like that. And, um, and then one day, we were out with uh, the crew from Equus. There's like 20 of us. And we'd always go to the Russian River barrel tasting. And this is where my head spun off. And we all bring potluck. It was like a potluck thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Margie Williams showed up. And her dad was Burt Williams from William Cellium. And one of my buddies said, Pinot Noir is a thing. And I go, I don't know. I don't get it, man. I'm into Cabernet. <laughs> <and laughs> bigger, bigger red wines. I don't like these insipid <laughs> anorexic wines. He goes, you don't understand. Take your time. And she pulls out. She happened to have a, some kind of a tasting at William Cellium that day, earlier in the day. And so she brought a bunch of half bottles out after her tasting just to share. And I go, cool, I want to taste these. And then she pulled out, the last one was a 91 Allen Vineyard Pinot O'R. And this is in 95, so it had a little bit of time in the bottle. And um, I smelled it, and I go, oh, there's something magical going on here. What the heck's going on here? And then I put it on my palate, and I can only explain it in this one way, that my head's spun off my body turned around <laughs> and reset in a different way and i said oh i gotta i gotta i gotta go for that somehow i gotta figure this out i gotta figure out the path right and in life um in my opinion um sometimes you have opportunities and you have a drive and different things but it's it's not a clear path but you just go for it you know and so I said, I'm going for that. And that's when we started – well, a year later, that's when we started Costa Brown. And, uh, uh, yeah, so epiphany moment, so to speak, right? Yeah, yeah.
3: And so you uh, fell in love with Pinot Noir so much that that's all you make now?
4: Um, we make a bit of Chardonnay. Um, okay. Everybody does. <laughs> the best – Well, the best (laughs) bottle of wine I've ever had was DRC Montrachet. Oh. And I can't afford that wine, you know. It's way too expensive. But one of my partners, he shows up in his plane one day, and he goes, I got three cases. Here's a couple bottles.
1: And I open
4: one, and I'm like, oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Another (laughs) epiphany moment.
4: And so with our Pinot Noirs um, with Costa Brown and now Cirque and and I'm no longer part of Costa Brown. Really? Uh, Duckhorn owns that now. Yeah. Oh. Duckhorn owns it now. And, and the great, great people. A very talented team. They're doing some really cool stuff. We sold that company three times, you know. Um, but as of last July, I've been out. Um, not this year, but the year, year previous. But um, uh-huh. So they're really cool. But um, I'm not trying to make a Burgundian-style Pinot Noir because we're not in Burgundy, right? Right. We're in the Russian River Valley. But with Chardonnay, I'm trying to do the best, or we are we are trying, me and my team. We have a very small team of seven. But we're trying to produce something that um, has a, a similar characteristics, you know, minerality and uh, good texture, but not overdoing it too much, not this big buttery mess. And those wines are okay. People like them. But I like more of that minerality, acidity, not rip your teeth out acidity. But really, like wow, it's gripping me, you know. And so that's what we're going for. And we we use amphoras um, to ferment in, We use concrete eggs
2: and right very uh-huh. very
4: mild barrels, you know, very mild barrels, new barrels. Not all new, but um, we have a, a variety of different things that we use to try to put everything together. And and what I what I um, talk to people about sometimes. Is that once you pick the grapes, the song has been written, and we're really into music around here, you know, in our in our winery. And once mm-hmm. the song's been written, well, then you can add instruments and different tones and colors to the wine, and that's what we try to do. So the chardonnay, uh. it's just a very small part of our program, um, but it's super meaningful. And it's really kind of a pain in the rear because it's hard to (laughs) ferment Chardonnay. You know, Pinot, people say, oh, it's a heartbreak grape, and it's the hardest thing to do. And and I'm like, well, it's the hardest thing to farm, in my opinion, but making it's not that difficult. Chardonnay, it's easy to farm. Not easy, but um, it's easier than Pinot. The man, trying to get that stuff to ferment out. <laughs> good lord. Really? Any Chardonnay producer will tell you the same thing. Oh yeah. It's uh it it'll stick on you and it'll put its finger up and <laughs> show you the curve, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> oh man.
3: But yeah, I've never heard, heard that, that mention cool. of Chardonnay. Hey, I, that's that's strange oh, to man. hear that. When
4: you're making Chardonnay, man, it's uh it's but you got but but I look at that as a cool challenge. It's like, okay I'm learning something here, right? And it, it typically works out, typically. But um, you got to keep on it and you got to study it. You got to look at it. And it's a craft like any other craft. Um, for example, if you're a cobbler making cowboy boots, right? And All you get right. some alligator skin, well, that skin's not quite working, you know? And it's I got to work though. on it. It's different.
3: Yeah. So, anyway. Oh, uh, that, that's it. Really, do I am uh, surprised that you said about Chardonnay because Chardonnay is made, it's a, a universal grape, it seems like. You can pretty much talk to any winery and say, besides Chardonnay, what do you make? And, you know, it's just, and nobody's ever mentioned how temperamental Chardonnay can be. I mean, you hear that about Pinot Noir all the time. But not. Yeah, but
4: no. The she journey. she is she is temperamental, and um, some years it works out. Some years, you know, there's potassium levels, there's pH, and there's all these nutrients and things, and and we barely add anything to our wines, um, and we kind of let it ride. I was at this winery in Bone one year in France, and I forget what it was. Lebanese guy. I forget the name of mm. it, but. Um, it was, you know, 10 months after after harvest, uh, about that time. And he goes, yeah, it's still going through malolactic, but we like that. You got to kind of let it ride. You got to let it go and do its thing. And it, some years it might go through, you know, primary, then malolactic. It might go through pretty easily. Other years it might just go, yeah, I'm not having it. And... Those are most of the years of Chardonnay from from my experience. And perhaps not everybody, but um, it's just my experience. And I don't really dive into what everybody else is doing. We're just here trying to craft wines that we hope people will enjoy. And with with minimal intervention, minimal intervention, right? And um, you kind of leave yourself susceptible to, hmm, that's not going quite right, but there's ways to get through it. And we're always studying. We're always looking at it. We're always, you know, trying to hone our uh, our chef's knife, so to speak, right, and go, okay, let's get some precise lines here, and let's make sure things are healthy, and then we have good mouthfeel. And mouthfeel, you know, uh,
3: is yeah, huge.
4: Is, yeah,
3: yeah.
4: It's such a – The the texture of wines, you know, aromatics and flavors, they're going to be there. And if you have a good vineyard and it's good farming and you take care of it and things like that. But the textures, it's something you can work on a little bit. uh, Again, without too much intervention. And that's something I think is really cool because wines, in my opinion, um, they they have a a life of their own. We just happen to guide them, hopefully you know, just guide them in a way that we can put them in a bottle and they're safe and sound, right? You take the blankie right. off of them <laughs> and you put them in a bottle and then <laughs> hopefully some people enjoy them, you know? That's all it is. And not everybody needs to enjoy them, the style, right? But uh, hopefully enough people will and then we can, you know, pay our staff and our team and and just keep on rolling,
3: Right. Yeah. That's what it's all about. As long as you enjoy what you're doing. You you mentioned I I have to tell you this. I did an interview with uh a couple of the directors and the person who wrote this wrote the story of a movie that's released now called A Wine and War. It's about Lebanon and the troubles they yeah. had there during that uh, very, very interesting. It's online the the Movie is released online, but very very. It's called
4: wine, and war. Okay, wine and war,
3: the story of wine and Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Is Mike, you're, you're setting out there? Is that the the correct name? I always seem to say it wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, wineandwar.com, and it's the name of the movie, the untold story of wine in the Middle East. Okay, interesting. So, but its very you know, really good
4: I, I got a quick I, I i got a quick side story. my dad he's eighty two now and he's doing really good, but he's told me this story a bunch of times. You know how old people tell the same story over and over again, but um <laughs> he said I yeah couldn't... in Israel they uh used to put rocks around the base of the vines because they didn't have irrigation, and so the rocks would condense at night and irrigate the vines, ah oh. like. Wow, that is cool, man. Yeah. Wow, how did they come up <laughs> with that thing? You know? no. <laughs> no. Middle anyway, East winemaking.
3: Yeah. You know? yeah, it, this is an interesting, I mean, it, extremely interesting movie. It's, it's like 90 minutes. And the proceeds go to help uh, a children's hospital there in Beirut. So it, it's for good cause. But that was not my point. I'm just saying that they interviewed a guy named Serge. And he was interviewed a lot during the movie, very knowledgeable on wine and, and very good. One of the things that he said that really stuck with me is that you cannot judge a wine on one or two sips or even on a glass. So when you walk up and you shake hands with someone and you meet them, he says you really don't know them. But after you've sat down with them and talked with them for some time, you get to know the person. It's the same with wine. Mm-hmm. Once you open the bottle, a glass doesn't tell it to you. Once you finish that bottle, then you know the wine. And I thought that was an extremely interesting observation there. And uh, Totally correct. Totally and, correct, yeah. yes. And you were hitting, hinting and, and on I that like same the, thing.
4: I like your analogy of, of people when you meet somebody. It takes a little time to get to know somebody. It takes it a little does. time to get to know a wine and um and I love that aspect of it, um uh, because you know it it's all in my opinion from my point of view, it's all about mother nature, and wine's part of mother nature um uh, horses are part of mother nature, butterflies, hummingbirds, bluebirds, you know people you know um so what i what I mentioned earlier about the music, that cool groove you you played um uh-huh. You have all these different elements, in it, and hopefully they, it leads to a good conversation. And wine can be a part of that. It doesn't have to be, but it can be. But food, absolutely, and fire and, and uh, music and all these different aspects of life that bring beauty to our lives, um, it leads to good conversation in some instances, right? And those are the things that I treasure, those moments, right? And who knows which way the conversation is going to go.
3: True, true. But I think an underlying thing I'm hearing from you and also that we have heard over all the years we've been doing this program and talking to wine people that the aspect of wine and food and people is probably the best experience you're going to find in life. People... Add an element to wine. You can sit around and drink a bottle by yourself, but that's not as much fun as sitting around drinking it with a friend or two. And then you add another depth to it by pairing that wine with a good meal, one that complements the wine, let the wine complement the meal. And the combination of the three, and like I say, this is I think something that is an underlying theme for every wine person i've ever talked to on the program
4: very true very true yes and a lot of people ask me about that topic you know what will you pair this wine with and some people want to hear you know venison and mushrooms and demi glace, and, <laughs> and which i yeah. love i love oh, it you know don't who get me wrong. <laughs> but i'm like how about a how about a rack of ribs <laughs> That'll go yeah. really well So it can be very simple or very complex And I, I love it all You know um, But I think what I'm trying to say Is you know uh, Don't limit yourself Just kind of go with it You know And it could be a really cool pizza
1: yes, <laughs> And a exactly. fine bottle of wine Exactly. You
4: know that movie uh, Sideways that came out mm-hmm. I don't know 15 years ago or something and uh, he goes, I'm not drinking effing Merlot. right? Oh, and you know why he said that? If you read the uh, book, no. because his wife loved Merlot. That was
3: the only reason. And
4: remember that. when he was at that diner having a burger and drinking that Petrus or whatever right. he had um, out of a cup. It was uh, a Merlot.
1: <laughs> oh, what? No. I love that. But he he
4: paired it with a burger or something, you know, (laughs) and that's just cool. You know, that's
3: just cool stuff right there. Well, I tell people all the time, you know, if you enjoy it, if the wine complements the meal and the meal complements the wine, then you can have it with anything. You don't have to have an exotic food to go with your wine. If if you feel it complements it, then go for it. Yeah,
0: and if you
4: enjoy it, that is what it's all about. And I, I, I say things to people about this topic um, quite frequently, and it's like, if you don't like this kind of wine, well, there's wine being made all over the world. Oh, like, yeah. Like, go get an Alsatian Riesling or something, or go get some New Zealand Pinot, or get some Chilean thing, or whatever it may be, um, or a New York um, Chardonnay or something. Um Just to go or explore, even. because the world... Go
3: ahead. I'm just going to say, or even a rutabaker wine from South Dakota. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's. there's <laughs> well, my everything out
4: there. My dad one time gave me a couple of bottles of rhubarb wine, and I'm like, what <laughs> the heck? And I tasted it, and I'm like, that's kind of cool, man. Yeah, it was all strawberries good. and crispy pomegranates and things like that. It was awkward but um it was it, was it cool interesting. Though,
3: you know yeah interesting yeah. So there's everything yeah, out there. I mean yeah. you know it's just about everything. Everything. And, everything Yeah, you can find anything you want if you just you know spend a minute or two in your store and just you know, look up and down the shelves. Everything's there. Are you uh Chev Winery or a Shirk Winery?
1: Both. Yeah, both.
3: Both. So,
4: Chev okay. got folded into Costa Brown, and I bought it back. It
3: took me like three years, but I bought it
4: back. And, and then I was down in Atlanta about seven years ago for the High Museum Wine Auction.
1: Mm, really cool yeah.
4: wine auction, and wonderful museum. I mean, the place is magical. And I'm at the Four Seasons, and I'm having a burger before this event, and I look at this, the back bar, and it's loaded with spirits, you know. Yeah. And I see this bottle, it was called Ford Gin. And it looked really cool, it was old school. And I go, can I see that? And my wheels started turning, because I'm a branding guy, I love to brand stuff, you know. Mm. And uh, I go, oh, Ford wine would be cool. And I'm like, oh, Francis Ford Coppola, right. that's not going to work out, you know. But Chevrolet or Chev or something, and it was. it's mainly based on, you know, 1940s, Car shops in the, in L A, kind of that sort of feel, yeah.
1: <laughs> where you
4: take a, a a piece of raw steel and you pound it out and you you make a carburetor or something. Because I like cars, I'm not a big huge car nut, but I like cars, you know. And okay. uh, and I and we put this thing together, and so and Chev is more of a regional approach um, for us. Where or Circa is just going to be one wine, one, it's Russian River Pinot. Mm-hmm. And in 20, we got nothing because of the smoke and all that damage. Oh, boy. But that's oh, wow. okay. We'll, we'll get through that. But um, I made some Oregon Pinot last year, and it's really interesting. Um, and then we were doing Santa Rita Hills. We were going to do Santa Lucia this year with the Garys, you know, Franchioni mm-hmm. and Pisoni. Um But they got smoked out. Uh-oh. And then we're doing some Chardonnay, so I'm I, I'm not going too crazy with it, but uh, it's a slow grow, you know, slow grow. And um, so Chev is just more about regional approach and no vineyard designates. It's just regional blends, and we really want to accentuate the the vintage. That's kind of top notch. Like, what is the vintage? What is Mother Nature doing this year?
1: Uh-huh. And
4: how are the wines? You know. And I really embrace that. It's um, it's a very cool thing for me personally. Is that uh, you know Mother Nature's you know people say how's the vintage in August and I go I'll tell you at the end of October I don't <laughs> freaking
3: know
1: yeah. you know because anything true. anything can happen.
3: It's like how's the chilli before you add anything into it. I mean you know. yeah
4: exactly like it's that not yeah done, exactly. You know? <laughs> Like this year, we had no idea we were going to get it totally smoked, you know. Uh, but, oh, that's, uh, that's, Mother Nature has her way. And, and some vintages, Mother Nature um, hands us things on a golden platter. And yeah. other years, she goes, yeah, you're going to need to work at this one.
1: Yeah, And I, just
4: love about it. I love that. I love it about him. Yeah, yeah and yeah. that's okay. And that's kind of how we live um, our normal lives as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Again, from my point of view, this is just from my point of view.
3: Yeah, it's true though. I mean, we all we all have our ups and downs, and things are thrown at us, and we get through it. You know, perseverance, and uh, you know, mankind tends to find ways to struggle and you know plow on through. So, yeah, I understand.
4: Yeah, Uh, that's all we can do. That's all
3: we can do. And that's all we can do. Well, Chev wine, I noticed on your website on Chev wine, and uh, I pulled it up again here. I was looking at it earlier uh, a couple of days ago, and I pulled up again here and I was going to ask you about all these comments and your father's involvement in the winery is, uh, is, well, is he still doing his woodworking? Is, is
4: he? He is. Yeah. And yeah. he, um, He's been a craftsman all of his life. And he makes, he, he, he does woodwork. He does metal smithing.
1: He oh, does wow.
4: um, gunsmithing. And he does some brilliant stuff. And I grew up watching him do this. And that was one thing I go, you know, this is really pretty cool. And I want to be a craftsman. And I also want to be, be a businessman. And, um, and somehow I found the path, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, he, he, he moved yeah.
4: down here. He he moved down here three years ago, and he set up with a pretty pretty cool situation. He's got a couple shops, and he bought this uh, metal lathe from Alcoa, which is an aluminum manufacturer up in right. Washington State. And and I was out there one day with him, and and he goes, "Yeah, I'm making a screw for one of my guns." <laughs> I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, I go." Is like well they're they're not available. And there's this little tiny frickin' screw on this massive metal lathe And he's going down and going I'm about one uh, or fifteen hundredth off a millimeter on this thing. <laughs> oh my
1: god,
4: <laughs> like, uh, that is cool, man. Yeah. That is cool. <laughs> that is you know, so,
1: precision. But he precision, ma- he makes yeah.
4: some he makes some brilliant stuff. I gave him some barrel staves one year, a number of years ago. And he took these barrel staves and he made a bunch of these little knives for me. Ah. Out of the barrel staves. It's pretty cool, man. So Yeah, it sounds. Anyway, that that's that was a good influence, you know. It was a good influence and I talk with him every day and we have a really good relationship and and uh And yeah, it's really cool to see the stuff he makes and the other day, I go in there to his house and he goes, "I need some help. I go, with what?" He goes, "I've had this piece of redwood burl for a number of years, and I just made a coffee table out of it. I need help bringing it in the living room, and I go, Cool, and I look at it going, That's brilliant, man, that's brilliant so anyway, so i again, I take influence from him and from other people, you know musicians, artists, chefs you know, other winemakers and then you just kind of do your own thing, you know?
1: Right. Mean, <laughs> that, that's what happens. Yeah. Hopefully it works.
3: That's what happens. I mean, winemakers tend to talk with other winemakers and from that point, they, you know, go out onto their own and say, okay, I enjoy your input, but this is what I'm doing with this. And usually the results mm-hmm. are fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, my question is why isn't your father's work displayed and sold on your website?
4: Well, he kind of keeps it close to his vest, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's he's sold a, a a bit of stuff here and there, but it's more for him just to um to make stuff. But we'll display some things here at the new winery when we get it done. You know, we got a new winery up here, and but um, but he's not really into flaring it out there. You know. Oh, really?
1: Oh, no, well, and, that's too bad. You know.
4: Yeah, but, so. but he, I've got some. I got a bunch of pieces from. I, I call it my treasure chest. You know, a bunch of really cool stuff he's made, but um, it's kind of stuff not for sale. It's just things that oh. make sense to him. It's things that he gives to his friends and family. And that's just kind of as far as it goes, you know?
3: Oh, oh and, you know, you, as a gunsmith, you would think that you could make some absolutely gorgeous pieces that people would love to have.
4: Oh, he's got some brilliant things. He, the other day he pulled out, not the other day, it was like, I don't know, a few months ago. He, well, um, oh, somebody's calling it. He um, uh, pulled out this double barrel shotgun, 12 gauge, <laughs> was this is my great grandfather's shotgun. And I go no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. And so my great grandfather just a side story, you know, I told you about a little little about about the circus. So it turns right. out my great grandfather was a circus clown in the 40s with the Cole Brothers Circus.
1: Oh really? And uh <laughs> he
4: yeah, he was the hobo clown, man. <laughs> and I've got tons of photographs of him with Actors and actresses and politicians. Because and, when the circus came to town back then, it was a big deal, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and
4: people would suit up and go see the circus.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that yeah. was my
4: great-grandfather. But but his – so my great-great-grandfather, he's got his gun, and he redid the whole thing, and it looks like it's brand new.
3: Oh, my gosh. It's
4: pretty cool. Yeah,
3: yeah pretty I mean, it's cool. goes- know from what you're describing his craftsmanship on there he could probably have himself you know a, a bunch of guns that he could you know commission or any number of things it's well, well not to put extra work on your father but yeah, it seems like with yeah, his abilities
4: i, I think uh, oh he's got great abilities but um i think my point is bringing all that stuff up and i i said this a bit earlier um I just grew up watching him make this stuff, and I go, I really want to be a craftsman. Mm -hmm. I really want to make something, take something that's raw. And when you go on the ChevWines.com website, when you just go on there, there's sparks flying, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: The video. And that was taken from a foundry in San Francisco. Francisco, and, uh, And you take a piece of raw steel and you start pounding on it, and eventually you get something cool. Maybe right, right, oh. and that's why that's there and it, and it's a craftsman series on that website, and my next one is gonna be my my blues buddy I told you about, ah it's about music, and then there's a cobbler here in Sebastopol that uh makes really cool shoes, and uh <laughs> they took his they took his studio and they did animation on it through Pixar for some one of their movies
1: oh. um
3: and uh.
4: Kind of cool. (laughs) You never know who you're going to meet in
3: that. That's very true. That's very true. And, and, you know, all the the diverse people out there, too. It's always interesting. I've met so many different people and, you know, through the winery and stuff like that, that it was just, you know, I don't want to talk about my wine. I want to talk about what you do, (laughs) you know, because it's so interesting and unique. A lot of people. Yeah. So uh, you make, Chef Wine makes. Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Where are the Correct. vineyards for both of them? Uh well Our... for
4: now uh Russian River Valley and then again last year as I mentioned uh we did a lot out of Oregon which is about I don't know 12 miles west of Salem.
3: Oh, okay.
4: and one of my really dear friends uh manages a uh a vineyard company that's based down here in Napa. But they do Sonoma County and they do Russian River and Annapolis and Oregon and we, oh, wow. we went up there one time, one, one time and and I said yeah let's check this out and it's pretty cool stuff I'm like hmm very different very different but um, yeah
3: so so there's yeah, two places got you, kinda... you mentioned the smoke damage to. So much of your your source of grapes. Did you think about going uh, Oregon, picking up something up there, or getting grapes in from there?
4: No, we we, we yeah we we uh, we had some, but then all they got smoked out too. There was big fires up there, so
1: they oh, lost everything. Okay.
4: And then I got a lead on some Santa Rita Hills fruit. It's a vineyard just up behind Sea Smoke. Mm, yeah, and uh, I called my buddy Greg Brewer from Brewer Clifton wonderful guy. And he, uh, he's like, yeah, there's no smoke down here. So I said, okay, we'll take it. Nine tons. And then the grower says, do you want 35 tons? And I said, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. Cause I got nothing else. I got nothing else in my basket, man. And, uh, and so, and it turned out really cool, man. It's really good wine. So I'm excited yeah. about that one. And I had no, I I had no plans on making Santa Rita Hills Pinot Noir this year. No plans. (laughs) Well, you got to try every once in a while.
3: You do. You you got to go with the flow. Is this Santa Rita Hills fruit? Well, you probably don't know yet because it's still in the tank, so you don't know what the results are going to be. So uh, it it will be interesting. In the barrel,
4: but. yeah, it'll be interesting.
3: Um interesting to but, see what uh, the results are gonna be. Yeah. That's,
4: yeah, yeah. We'll see. It, That's kinda what you gotta do. You gotta kinda again shuck and jive with Mother Nature.
3: Yeah, and keep uh, on moving
4: that. forward because you never know what's gonna come at you. You never know.
3: Yeah. You say you use concrete, uh is not everything is in concrete. What do you uh what else are you using?
4: Well we've got uh for Chardonnay we got two M4s that are made out of petaluma of a certain oh, kinds of dirt for, oh. for, yeah. And then we got one out of France, different kind of dirt, more porous, and then we've got three um you know, four ton tanks out of concrete mm-hmm. out of France, and then we've got a wood tank out of uh France as well. And you know, I started using these back in nineteen 19- or 2007, and then we kept, we built that program up with Costa Brown, and and it worked really well. And so, and we also use new barrels and used barrels and things like that. And that's why I mentioned earlier about um, you know once you pick the fruit, the song's been written, sort of a story. Right. And uh, then you add then you add instruments to the best of your ability. You know, nothing's perfect. And then, uh, but the concrete it's more of a reductive aspect of wine. When I mean that by it gets less oxygen. So it's uh, more concentrated in the electric form. I huh. don't know if that makes sense or not, but um, it's more I, I like a so, yeah. vervy. Yeah, it's more vervy. And then you add on some layers of, you know, more loose um, textures, more broad textures. So you have this core in the middle, that has that electricity. You know, if you have all that, it's too much, in my opinion. So uh-huh. you got to kind of blend other things within that. And that's just how I see it. But um, you blend, you know, some other cool barrels. And we use very mild um, barrels. I don't like tasting oak or smelling oak
1: <laughs> or getting that
4: aggressive texture, you know, that really aggressive texture.
1: You're I like right, yeah.
4: smooth, I, I like smooth lines and uh so we add that in there too and you know so we got all kinds of stuff so and we also do stainless steel you know we uh, age the stainless steel to keep it it's like putting something in a soda can it just kind of arrests it right
1: mm-hmm.
4: but then it comes out in a kind of a neat way different than concrete different than wood different than anything else but if you can kind of figure out and you got to do this on the fly sometimes because you don't know what's going to happen In any given vintage, Um, you can have preconceived ideas, and then you go, okay, so this is what happened here. It's going to rain, so we've got some lean fruit. Or it's Mm. getting hot, we're going to get some ripe fruit. Or whatever the situation may be, then you go, okay, well, we've got all the tools and resources. Then let's do our thing, and let's try to put, you know, make sure they're healthy and safe and all those different things. Um, during fermentation, and that's prior to all the work that goes into growing the fruit. And then you let them age. Mm-hmm. And you
3: see how it goes.
4: You see how it goes.
3: Is the vineyard yours, or do you buy it from a grower?
4: Uh, on our state property we own now, we have 10 acres.
3: And then oh, we're planting oh. a vineyard pretty
4: soon. And then we've got about 13 other growers that we buy fruit from. Wow. That many. Okay.
3: So you do have 10 acres. uh,
4: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
3: Mostly in Pinot Noir or mixed Chardonnay and Pinot Noir?
4: We're mostly uh, Pinot Noir. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Almost entirely, but we do have some really great, um, Chardonnay vineyards, Kent and Ritchie, we buy fruit from, and um, Blue Leggers Hill, which we planted uh, over 10 years ago,
1: mm-hmm.
4: and Freestone, which is very, a cold region, um, but it gives a different aspect to the to the complexities, you know?
3: Different. That's down yeah. by,
4: um, it's different, yeah. It's really fed by Bodega Bay. Yeah. Um, so it's much colder of a region and that's kind of it, you know. Oh, there's uh-huh. another vineyard we get up uh, top of Harrison Grade, which is high elevation, western um, Sonoma County sort of stuff. Oh, and that turned out really good this year. So not affected anyway, by smoke. Yeah, but um, a couple of them were, but we're still evaluating. You know, it's a learning process.
3: Oh, with smoke change, it's so. hard to. Hard to judge. You know. It really is.
4: Well, there's there's over 100 compounds in there, and they can only test for like 17 of them or something. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we're we're studying, you know, we're learning. And uh, my staff and I we get together, the, my winemaking staff, and I'm technically the winemaker, but I've got a whole staff that does all the work now. <laughs> you know,
3: that's the way to do it. I got yeah. everything
4: going. <laughs> oh, good lord! But um, But uh, we sit down every, you know, every couple days about this topic. We sit down every day about everything else. But on this topic, it's like, okay, let's figure out um, what we're doing with chemistry, what labs can give us the proper numbers. Then we do sensory analysis. And then we're going to, you know, we fermented it. And we're putting in different barrels and different vessels and different things And we have no plans on selling some of this wine. It's more just a learning experience. Oh, really? And let's see. Yeah. And let's see how it does in three years, you know, because it will change. We're not, we're not sure how it's going to change or what's going to change, but um, it's off the books. As far as sales go, it's just more of a uh, research project on some of these lots, you know?
3: Right. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's interesting that you would do that. I, I, It seemed odd to me. I mean, most people are in it to put the wines out there and get the money in your pocket and to be able to play with it it and and to refine it like you seem to be doing is uh, a good testament to your ultimate product and to your patience of doing it. I I think that's great.
4: Yeah, but, you know, um, I'm not in any hurry anymore.
3: I used to be in a hurry. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm very grateful that
4: we have our own thing now, and we don't need to, you know, I got we got a roof over our heads, and we're eating food every day.
3: That's, and that's good. That's it's good. And, more can
4: and then it's like, okay, how are we going to hone our craft? How are we going to do this thing? And if I was under the gun to make money, well, it would be a different situation. Well, but now right. I'm not under the gun, and we can, you know, learn. And to me, that's very important. It's, um, it's, for me, it's about um, understanding, learning, honing the craft, sharpening the blades, and uh, taking our time,
3: you know? And your final result, after all that, is going to be so much better because you have done that. I, you've taken the time to perfect what you are striving for. So I think it's the end result is going to be absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, it's. Yeah. And
4: uh, I got to tell you a quick side story. So I'm, I'm talking with Fred Scherer one day and Fred Scherer's got a wonderful winery called Scherer and he makes some beautiful wines. And he grew up on a vineyard in Alexander Valley. And then he worked for Tom Dalinger, who's a brilliant guy. And mm-hmm. um, for like 10 years, and then he started his own thing. And about I don't know, fifteen years ago, I said, "Fred, I don't, I, I'm not getting this. How do you understand it? You know, you grew up in this vineyard and you've been doing this forever, and how do you get it?" And he goes, "Michael, I've come to find out it takes two consecutive adult lifetimes to get <laughs> a slight understanding." And I felt peace and comfort with that. You know, <laughs>
1: that's a good point. You know, Bear, uh,
4: Oh, well, de Dave told me the same thing one time in Australia. And
1: I'm like, yeah.
4: okay.
3: I'm okay, gonna hunt yeah. you down here? Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. It takes two lifetimes to understand. <laughs> we are just on our first. Second is yeah. yeah. we're just on our first so we get on. Uh yeah, that's I noticed good, that's sure. a good one. huh? it is that it's very good i noticed a picture sure you have one of sarah your wife is she involved in any of this stuff or does she keep you focused
4: she keeps me focused primarily good she takes uh-huh. care of our three wonderful kids you know and
1: our two uh-huh. dogs
4: and uh no more guinea pigs. Um, our last one <laughs> went away a couple nights ago. <laughs> Aww.
1: Thank God.
4: Yeah. I know. I, liked, I, mean, I like he was guinea a bit, pigs. Yeah, I Guine- liked him for a while. Guinea but pigs anyway, are cool.
3: um, I, I like guinea pigs.
4: Yeah. But up here at the winery, she's in charge of all the details as far as design elements and things like that, which oh. is a big job. It's a big job. And yeah. so she's doing that along with everything else. And then she puts up with me. So that's good. I like that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, like I say it keeps you focused. And if you get out of line, she'll straighten you up. I can, I can imagine that. Yes.
4: She does it subtly. Yeah. She does it subtly. Yeah.
3: But, uh, Wives tend to be good at that. I'm afraid. Huh? I understand. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Mike, do you have any questions for Michael here?
2: I don't.
0: I I have oh. just been enjoying it. I've been uh taking a lot of notes as I always do. Um but uh yeah, everything's everything's it's very interesting. I mean, you started uh, I kind I started my first job when I was 13 too and it was in a restaurant washing dishes until they found out I was 13. Back then it was illegal um to have someone working in a restaurant apparently. And but I was making the same amount you were. And I was like I heard <laughs> that and I go, "Oh my god." There you also, go. go. And Man, that ended real quick when they found out my age. But I um, uh, learned a lot about that and uh, went back after, after I graduated and was old enough. But uh, uh, very interesting. Do you, do you miss any part of the circus or the circus life that you had?
4: You know, I, I, I do. Um, the uh, friendships I made, and I'm, I'm still friends with a lot of these guys. And, uh, yeah. but I miss, you know, having an, um, a venue to go and practice something I don't know. But I, but I do have that now. It's just in a completely different form, you know? But, um, yeah,
0: interesting, I though. it was a love
4: wonderful, love. wonderful part of my life, um, the circus thing. It was really, really cool. And I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about life. And Paul Pugh, um, this guy, um, he really changed my life and yeah it's crazy it was funny because I used to eat fire and I was, I was talking to Scal from the wine spectator a couple of days ago they're going to do a photo shoot for you know winemakers with their dogs right mm. and so we'll be in that it's going to come out in March or something but uh, oh. anyway I'm talking oh. to her and, and she, she starts asking about the circus thing and I said, yeah, I used to do this and do that and made fire. She goes, oh really? I went to a drama camp and I couldn't. I'm kind of lo- kind of long legged and a little awkward. And she goes, so they put me in the fire eating team. And I go, oh, you're part of the club. You're part of the club. I've never met anybody else, you know, like that. So it's a different Ooh. sort of a gig, man. It's a different sort of a gig, but. If you get the book, there's some of these fun stories in there and and it's it's kind of cool actually um if you get the audio book, William Shatner did the audio book, and he told oh, well. the stories yeah. and he told wow. them really well and and uh there's all these different stories in there, you know there's only like ten percent of my stories in there, but there's there's all these different circus ones and restaurant ones and wine stuff and all these different things so you know, some people might find it interesting and some people might not, but that's okay. Either way it goes. But um but yeah, listen to me, William Shatner, you know, he I talked with him uh, the day before he goes into studio and he goes, Michael, you know how he talks, right?
1: Yeah. He's yeah. got a
4: certain tone to his he goes he goes, Michael, I like the manuscript. I'm gonna do it. I go, Okay, Mr. Shatner <laughs> Thank you and he goes, But your your book has a lower tone.
1: To it, so I'm going
4: to lower my <laughs> And I said, I said, what, whatever you need to do, Mr. Shatner. And I listened uh-huh. to it and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, man. That was cool.
3: yeah <laughs> That was cool. Maybe it did need a lower tone.
4: <laughs> and I, I told him, I said, hey, my dad and I used to watch Star Trek all the time. And then uh last week, his assistant calls me up and she goes, Oh, yeah, he's sending your dad a, a signed photograph. And I go, okay. And I get it. And it's with him when he was a young Captain Kirk, you know.
1: <laughs> he
4: doesn't he, – <laughs> it was really neat. So, wow. anyway, little little treasures throughout our paths, you know, little treasures.
3: <laughs> yeah, young Captain Kirk. Uh, uh, now, that's, that's funny. That's funny.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> good. Yeah.
3: You so got
1: to
3: you gotta
4: listen to it though.
0: You got to listen to it. So how do, yeah. how do you go pick ahead. up the book? How do you pick up, how do you pick up yeah. the uh, audio book or get the regular book?
4: The best way is Amazon. Okay. And um, you just go to Amazon.com. The book's called Pinot Rocks by Michael Brown. And it's all the formats, you know, paperback, hardback, but the audio book's the fun one. But you can get any format you want. Kindle, you know, ebook, Whatever whatever you want, it's on there. Plus, it's on like a, a ton of other book sites, but Amazon's the best way to go. Yeah. I think. It's what? all new to me, man. It's all new to me.
1: <laughs> how, long ago, how long
3: ago did you write it? How,
4: oh. I started four and a half years ago on this thing, and uh, we finally got it out. <laughs>
3: when When was the I release?
4: I help from last week. Last week? Oh, my God. Wow.
3: Yeah! Wow!
4: It's number one bestseller on Amazon right now. Wow! <laughs>
3: Crazy! Yeah! Hey! Know, congratulations! Yeah. You know, I'm
4: just trying that, to make wine. That's all I'm trying to do.
3: Yeah, but you it's, know, you're a, a published a, author, with the number one best-selling author. Wow! What a what a lot of things to precede your name.
4: Yeah, it's a little nuts, yeah, but uh, <laughs> you
3: know. He, He's trying to be humble. Hear that? The, He's the, trying to be humble. And,
4: <laughs> no, that's a big that's a big word right there. Humility is a big word. But you can't get over your skis on any of this kind of stuff, you know, you just gotta move forward and again hug your kids, kiss your wife or whoever your significant other may, may be and and uh and just keep moving forward, man. Right?
1: That's it. And that's it. you
4: know, and again for me just trying to make something that brings joy to others. And one of the reasons I called Cirque Cirque was because, you know, I had an experience, but then I started thinking about it and I said, well, I want to pay homage to other people to do other kinds of things. They put a lot of practice into whether it may be art or being a chef or an actor or Broadway or you name it.
3: Right. Oh, our eater, um, they,
4: they practice. They, yeah, yeah, exactly. They practice really hard for a lot of years because they love it and then they want to bring pleasure to other people. And I think that's a really cool thing, you know, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, but that's okay. It doesn't matter um, which direction you go in. Um, But uh, as craftspeople, whether it's a man or a woman or you name it, it doesn't really matter. But uh, people are making really cool stuff all around the world. And that's a really neat thing really neat thing and, and that's all i'm trying to do in a nutshell you know
3: well you you seem to be accomplishing it in both areas through chev and through cirque and being an author and getting out the the book i like i said i've been reading it i didn't realize it was that new when reading it and it's there are some good stories in it and there's some interesting interesting things you've written about so uh, uh i hope it does yeah. very well for you Yeah, you got
4: to be a little vulnerable at times, you
3: know. No, yeah. If you're the number one bestseller on Amazon, then it is doing well for you. I'm glad to hear that. Um, Any other questions, Mike, for Michael? before.
0: I am good. Thank you very much. Appreciate
3: it. Uh, So, Michael, Cirque and Chev Wineries. Give us the contact information if anyone wants to see them and go there or call you or have you ship. And do you ship, uh, by the way? Uh,
4: We do ship, but we typically sell out of wines pretty darn quickly. And we have a little bit of Chevino in the wings. But Mm -hmm. at this point, that's all we've got, you know. But um, it's cirq.com, C-I-R-Q.com. And then Chev is Chev Wines, C H E V Wines.com. And then we've got a, a sister site that kind of ties them together, which is BrownFamilyWines.com, Brown which Family Which kind of ties the two things together. Brown with an E, B R O W N E, Wines.com. And uh, yeah, that kind of ties the two together. So, oh,
1: okay. And
4: then <clears throat> our staff is here all the time. And again we have a very small staff. We're not a we're not a big company by any means. But um we uh we're very attentive um the best we can. So um I suggest people sign up. They can sign up on either side or all three or whatever it is and and uh we only have two offerings a year, one's in July for Cirque. one's in September for Chev. And that's kinda it, you know. Is
3: there a tasting room? Do you have a tasting room for either or both?
4: Um, we have our facility, but it's by appointment only.
3: Okay. It's and you're a, building? It's not an
4: open tasting room.
3: Okay. You're building a new one for Chev?
4: Uh,
3: no, we're, Chev and Surfer are under the same roof. Um, oh, okay. Or roofs,
4: okay. I should say. But we're remodeling this whole thing we bought. And um, yeah, it should be done around April or something like that. I'm thinking right. open, you know. Yeah.
3: So uh so that's it. But the appointment only on that. If you want to go there, you can check them out again on their websites and check out his book on Amazon called Pino Rocks, P I N O T Rocks, R O C K S, uh by Michael that's Brown. Nice. And yeah. uh so
0: that's So any, anything
3: else you want to uh want to grace us with tonight before we say goodnight?
4: Uh, Beat me up, Scotty.
3: <laughs> 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 and here's the... Okay, there you go. <laughs> Thank you for joining us tonight, Michael. We really appreciate it. It was a great, no, great ca- informative Captain, interview. I'm giving
4: it all I got. I'm giving it all I
3: got. <laughs> yeah, we, and you love so, it. We but, just...
4: but hey, uh, yeah. thanks for having me. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. And um, yeah, we'll go from there, yeah. huh?
3: Yeah, thank you thank very you much. It was great, it. and I'm it's glad you nice. took the time to join us, and uh, best of luck yeah. in uh, the sales of your book, and if I'm ever out there, I will give you a call, make an appointment, come in, and get some wine. Live long <laughs> and do.
4: Please do, please <laughs> right. yeah. right, do. thank you so much. <laughs> thank <And> you. Good exactly.
1: night. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Good night. <laughs> Good night. Good <All>
3: night. <laughs> Uh, that was fun. <laughs> there
0: we go. All right. All right. Uh, we are back. Uh, we are uh, back.
3: Eight minutes after yeah. eight uh, on 11-19-2020. Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, um,
3: that was fun. Y'all you know, need to check out that book. Have you read any of it, Mike?
0: I uh, started in the beginning part and then um, yeah things just kinda I, I need to i need to really sit down and when I read a book, I really need to sit down and just read it and not have anything distracting me yeah. but that's sitting you know it
3: me I went through different parts of it i bounced around, read some things in yeah. it, but i need to you know just sit down yeah. and read it so yeah it's interesting yeah. what I've yeah. read so far and if anybody wants yeah. to do it again. It's Pino Rocks by Michael Brown, uh, available on Amazon in all formats: so hardcover, paperbound, Kindle. And the book is read by Star Trek Captain mm-hmm. William yeah. Shatner.
0: So, uh, yeah God, that's yeah. something. You know, you really, you really made something when you have someone like William Shatner. Be, you know, be the, the one that reads
3: it. Yeah. I know. I thought yeah. the same thing. I thought, oh wow, oh wow. You know, William Shatner is actually reading a yeah. book. It's just so cool. You know. How, you
0: know. Do, you, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, really. You know, yeah. You know, um, that, that's neat. So, but you know, you all great, want to check it out.
0: Yeah. What's
3: that?
0: Very interesting. Uh, very. I was just saying, it's great information and and uh, interesting. Uh, you know, his, how he got into it and, and the the path and all that kind of thing, and, you know, what he learned from it, and just, uh, yeah. just, uh, pretty cool. Interesting. Uh, getting Interesting interest. journey. Uh, great yeah. Story. yeah. It really was. Yeah. Now, you've read, have you read the poem about his history? Does he, he mentions, uh, you know, being in the circus and everything? Uh, yeah. Uh, been, I haven't, I didn't.
3: I read the, read the circus part and how I got into it and, okay. and uh, okay. that. And then I uh, I bounced up and was reading about uh, you know the wine and all that and a few things in between. I was bouncing around. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's but it's I, yeah, I did I did read it because that's one mm-hmm. of the things that when the publicist got a hold of me, they said someone who was in the circus. so I wanted to read that and see what that was all about. And so, yeah, uh,
0: it's
3: interesting interesting part there. But uh wonder if yeah, you ever good.
0: made it to uh wonder if you ever made it to uh Gibsonton, Florida. Isn't that uh or where the circus what, city city town people or whatever they so. live and yeah.
3: and that's where they winter? Yeah. Well if it was a youth circus, probably not. They probably just you know, oh, that's, that's, you know Yeah, went went that's, went to the uh went to the thing until they were eighteen and you know, all local, so but a youth it. circus. I, I don't think I've ever heard of one of those either. So,
0: no, yeah. that's okay. pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've never looked at a, I never looked at a high wire and thought, gosh, you know, I wish I could climb that.
3: Yeah, me either. <laughs> I that. Yeah. And, and when I do climb never it, it I think mind. I'll take my unicycle with me and ride across it. No, no, yeah. never, <laughs> never, no. ever. No, no Never, <laughs> ever, ever, ever uh uh-uh. Uh no. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, Maybe he that about, is you know, one, of, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why William Shatner is reading the book because the man rode a <laughs> unicycle across a high wire. <laughs> I mean, really.
0: And, and everything else in there. That's, that's interesting. Interesting yeah. story. And uh, the work that his father's done and, and uh, just, uh, yeah, really, really cool how it all comes together. Um, yeah. So thank you very much again. Uh, Michael Brown, and be sure to look, uh, look obviously, at the winery, but uh, also his book on Amazon and where other uh, e-books or uh, other copies are sold as well. So um, right. check them out. And uh, unless you have anything else to add, we will not be back uh, next week, but we will be back. We won't be here next week, but we will be back December 30, or December 3rd. 30th? No, the 30th. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. So good. in December, and uh, <laughs> the way 2020 <laughs> has been, it might be a good thing. Um, but no uh, show next week. Uh, everyone have a, uh, a safe and happy uh, Thanksgiving, wherever you spend it, and uh, hope to see you back on December the 3rd, and uh, we'll go from there. Thank you for tuning in. Yes.
3: Stay safe out mm-hmm. there and mm-hmm. have a enjoyable Thanksgiving and well yep. uh thanks for tuning in again, like Mike said, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.
0: Yep. I was on the totally I'm glad you said something because I was I was not ready to roll the video. Uh well, so here we go, Facebook and Twitch to roll the uh the video and
3: everyone else. I'm goodbye. Not,
2: <laughs> all right. Yeah, wasn't on the right (laughs) monitor. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash all about wine thank you for listening drink responsibly and we'll see you next time on all about wine